There's a lot of things that people just don't check. Does your employer offer a pension? Yes, they do. What are they paying? What are you paying? Is there a level that they'll match up to? Because a lot of employers, they'll offer you the standard, which is 3 and 5% between the two of you. A lot of them in their kind of HR contracts will say, if you put in 6% or 7%, we'll match up to 7% as well. everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. episode is sponsored by the University of Law. The University of Law offers a range of undergraduate and postgraduate courses and master's degrees alongside an award-winning pro bono clinic so you can build up your legal experience while studying and their experienced career service will enable you to put your best foot forward when launching your legal career. The courses are employment focused and based on real legal practice so you'll be better prepared for the workplace. Part-time and online study options are available so you can work and study at the same time. Click the link in the description box of the podcast to find out more about the courses on offer. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name is Camilla and I'm a trainee solicitor currently in my first seat and I will be your host for today. In today's episode, we are delighted to be joined by Danielle Lacomba, who is a chartered financial planner and she's also a law graduate. So we're going to be speaking to Danielle to find out how and why she became a chartered financial planner, as well as finding out her top tips for how we can better manage our money as professionals starting out out in our careers. I'm really excited for this episode because talking about money and careers are two of my favourite subjects. So let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast, Danielle. It's so great to have you with us. Thanks, Camilla. It's really good to be here. And yeah, I'm absolutely honoured and it's it's going to be exciting to be able to share my journey um, and hopefully add some value to any other kind of graduates um, and academics out there. Great. Okay, so I think it would be really nice if we could just find out a little bit more about your career history to date, and how you ended up doing what you're doing, really. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so I guess I, I've been in the financial services industry for 10 years now. Um, but before that, obviously, I graduated from university, I went to Nottingham Trent. Um, I actually studied law with business originally. So it was a qualifying law degree. But at the time, I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Um, I just wanted to do something that I knew I enjoyed doing. And, and law is, to me, a, a fascinating subject to study. Um, it's something that is kind of educational in the respect that you know it it rolls into everything we do whether it's your personal kind of circumstances whether it's history or whether it's the the general landscape or the economy and and things like that so yeah for me law was always an interesting subject I knew it would be something that I could kind of relate to um in all different areas um even land law for example just yeah the the history around that I I just always found it quite fascinating um but at the time um I guess when I was going into university 
university, there was a big influx of business studies students. So everyone was encouraged to do business studies. And, and I think, yeah, for me, it was just trying to make that distinction by, yeah, uh, crossing over the two, I guess. So I went into um, university. I studied, um, as I said, law with business and I graduated um didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point in time but I started to apply for training contracts um we didn't have the funds personally as a a family to self-fund the LPC um so again I was quite conscious that I'd need to and also I guess like with anyone out there you kind of want you know that's why a lot of people do the four-year university courses because you want that that security of having a job at the end of it so again after three years of, of further education I didn't want to just you know for self-fund another longevity of kind of education without knowing that then I was going to to get a job at the end of it I guess so for me I was just looking around doing some applications and I ended up in a job in the financial services just to gap fill while I was uh, applying and um I guess for me I found that there was a huge overlap with financial services and the legal sector um a lot of it is is, is interlinked so you know as a, a financial planner you look at your client circumstances and you get to know what assets they've got, who owns the the property, you know, the mortgages, how they went through that process, and whether they've got wills in place, you know, what their desire is in terms of estate planning, kind of beneficiaries, things like power of attorneys, you know, you check all of these things, which is is a huge overlap in it with the law um, and the legal sector. So it was just kind of hearing those conversations. I was thinking, okay, well, I can relate to this and I know. I know these words and I, yeah, it, 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 for me, it was an interesting kind of overlap that I'd never really identified before. I'd always been like, okay, well, law, you know, this is what it is. Um, I love studying law because it's quite textbook heavy. Um, but what I did find when I studied law is that a lot of it was based on kind of historic precedent so you know we're approached with this subject um and uh you know we've got the plaintiff and we've got people kind of arguing this case but actually then to to find a solution we need to reflect back on the past and see what happened in the past and I think if we take that whole concept and apply it to kind of even modern the modern world at the moment like things change so frequently and the world is evolving. And to me, I, I just guess I I struggled with the concept that to move forward, we kept looking back. And, and what I liked about law is, um, sorry, what I liked about financial planning or, or kind of the, the financial services industry is it's not one size fits all. And it's, it's very, okay, well, this is your problem. You know, how can we find a solution? And, and what's the different ways we can do that? And almost there are possibilities when you're looking at a client's circumstances are endless there. You know, you can't, you've got Tom and Joe who work at the same company who are the same age you their financial plans are, are are completely different because their financial and their personal circumstances are so different so it, it, I found it a, a quite contradictory to to the law and to the legal sector and I quite like that to be honest with you but it it gave me the foundations to then apply and to see that contrast in the two of them 
um, was something that, yeah, really excited me. So I hadn't quite given up on on law, I guess, and I, it, it still fascinates me to this day. And it's still I still use it in a daily. Um, and the knowledge that I learned through my law degree, I apply um, every day with my clients. And to be honest with you, I think I would I would argue that it's it's really stood me in a good stead uh, moving forward in in the financial services sector because I understand. The importance of yeah, uh, kind of wills, power of attorneys, how kind of the process works for arranging your estates, even things with how you kind of register your property on the land registry and things like that, and a lot of that again without going into it, but how that's registered can affect how people own the property so your inheritance tax and a lot of it overlaps and having that understanding has just been yeah really key for me um so I carried on in my um job with the financial services so it was for a pensions company at the time and um I just said to a colleague at the time you know I'm, I'm really interested in this and he said well why don't you investigate how you can kind of develop in this sector then um, and I guess for me, it was quite it was quite hard because I felt like I'd maybe uh, is a pivot completely against what I've just done a, a degree in, you know, something that I should fight against. Um, but I always thought that it, I could always go back to the law, if that makes sense. I always thought it's, you know, I think that we're under so much pressure when we're younger to make these decisions, to make these lifelong decisions around kind of starting your career and you're expected to come out of university and know where you're going and start your career and your training contracts. And you're so young at the time, you know, early twenties when you come out and, you know, nowadays you work till 65 plus potentially. So, you know, that's 40 years of, of a career and a career is, is five, you know, three years, five years, whatever it looks like people have multiple careers. And I think, that actually to have kind of life experience during that time as well was something that I was quite keen to build up on as well. Um, so I never closed the door to that. I always thought it was something that I could go back to, but um, I just fell in love with financial services, to be honest with you. And as I said, yeah, it was a, a great career pivot for me, um, but definitely something that I carried through as well. So I started doing my exams um while I was working with a pension company um and then I went into the financial services for a kind of wealth management firm so as their back office support staff which was really good um they call the the job role that I had uh, a power planner um but what it means is it's really just kind of a report writer so you're you're the assistant to the financial advisor and you do the report writing and you prepare all the documentation so very much like a legal secretary or like kind of the support staff in the legal sector and so again it's a chance to understand and i guess to figure out um whether the industry is is right for you so i did that for a little bit did my exams on the side um, and then I ended up on an academy and I went through as the training for um, a financial advisor um, and then just carried on. I guess to get to chartered, it's just something that, again, I, I've just carried on doing exams on the side. I think, as I said, the benefit of loving law originally is that I do like studying and I do like you know you've got the commitment there haven't you no one can say to a law student that you you, you know you haven't got the stamina to, to pick up a textbook <laughs> um for sure I I I that's just such an interesting journey to how you you know you started off as a law student and then um followed your interests you didn't you know you you understood what you liked about 
your law degree and but you followed your interests at the same time and utilized the skills that you developed um and yeah it's really interesting in hearing that about the overlap between um the you know financial services mm-hmm. and law um because i think that sometimes well for me when i was looking at degrees to do you think well okay there's law there's accountancy but you don't realize that there's so many different shades of um career in between those and yeah. beyond those so mm-hmm. yeah it's really interesting to hear about your your career and what is available out there for um students who might like you know they might like reading they might like looking at regulations but they might just be thinking oh I'm just not sure about law there might be something else better suited to me and yeah, uh, yeah I think that's what you did yeah it's really yeah I would hugely advocate yeah that the, there is a, it's a huge gray area because it does overlap but it's yeah it's definitely something that I think you can apply across the board and I think even in the legal sector you know anyone that deals with uh, kind of family law or divorces for example they have to you know they they talk to their clients about you know the split of assets but also pensions and and pension kind of sharing orders come into the the split of any kind of uh, marital assets nowadays um, so again, that's where it very much overlaps in terms of how we work with, with kind of solicitors and the legal sector as well. And I think understanding across all is definitely something. And don't get me wrong, you know, as you said, there's 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 law, there's kind of you know business studies, there's economics, um, and a lot of people are put off by, I guess, the financial services sector, or even with me, you know. Someone said to me, oh, would you study study economics? You know, oh, I, I, my first reaction would be, oh, God, I'm not great with numbers. Do you know what I mean? Or like, I don't want to study maths. And yeah. it's, it's kind of things like that. But, yeah, it, I think it's just about knowing, well, what is your passion then? Is it uh, is it kind of, yeah, solving problems, being in front of clients? Yeah, like kind of applying various different kind of uh, solutions to to people's problems and yeah I think for for me it was just yeah trying to find that path and navigate that path and and apply everything you have learned um so yeah it was and you said that um well I suppose my next question was to sort of uh, find out what a financial planner does on a day-to-day basis because yeah. uh, it'd be really interesting to hear it what you actually do for and I'm sure the listeners would would um also be very interested yeah definitely so so yeah a financial planner is is really just kind of what it says on the tin so we 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 kind of plan for future objectives goals and strategies so for me a lot of that is kind of you know I guess discovering kind of where you currently sit at this point in time so you know what you've built up to date so what you've got available to you in terms of assets and income and kind of what your your goals are over the short the medium and the long term and and how we then get you to achieve those goals um so again that that kind of accounts for kind of family planning that accounts for um various different career changes you know meeting your monthly expenses but also you know do you have something that you're targeting towards uh, over a five-year period so shorter term um, and longer term you know let's not forget kind of to put something away for retirement and then for this future goal and a lot of that does depend on tax statuses as well so obviously it's all it's all about portioning out for me so 
you know, there, as I said, there's no one size fits all. It depends on your circumstances, what you've got going on, whether you've got, you know, various different children, what ages they are and, and kind of what your goals for them are, for example, in terms of how you meet your needs and their needs over the time. But for me, it's about, you know, if you've got X amount left over every month, you know, what's the most tax efficient thing to do with that money? Can you reclaim kind of tax back through putting money into pensions or various different other vehicles but also you know can we proportion that out between making sure that you can hit these milestones along the way but not just focus on one thing at a time and and then kind of push the furthest thing back till it's too late for example so a lot of people even you know people that are in their late 20s early 30s they think oh I can't even think about retirement planning well no it doesn't have to be the the number one on your priority list but it shouldn't be necessarily kicked down the the, the kind of road right until we get to a point in time because there'll always be something that comes up you know there'll always be whether it's saving for the first house saving for the wedding saving for the children so you know so there's always something so it's about I for me it's about prioritizing and just kind of a lot of my role is I guess, not only being the person that puts together the strategy, so carries out the initial assessment, puts together the strategy, but it's a huge relationship building exercise with my clients because, you know, they trust me. I trust them to to kind of stick to the plan that we put in place. And there's a level of accountability there just to, to keep them on track and to guide them in circumstances like we're in at the moment. You know, if priorities change, if circumstances shift slightly, how do we tweak that plan and adapt it so that we we don't lose sight of, of the end goal uh, and we don't kind of forfeit where we're trying to get to, but how we make sure that actually you're not kind of, you know, uh, detrimenting yourself in the here and now as well. So a lot of it is, yeah, just really about kind of getting to know people. And that's the most interesting thing about what I do and, and what I love about what I do, because it's, yeah. Yeah, it, it is really getting to know what people's priorities are um, and how best we can kind of maximise that based on their own circumstances. So there's a lot of words, there's a lot of jargon in, in the financial services sector, like there is in the, in the legal sector in terms of different products. But, you know, a lot of that comes down to people's specific kind of, I, I guess, their, their own circumstances and obviously, yeah, if they earn X amount, um, then there's more favourable tax treatments for for ploughing into pensions than there is for someone that that earns kind of a, a different level of income. So again, it's just about looking at those circumstances and then applying that. So yeah, I guess for me, it's um yeah, problem solving and, and relationship building and yeah, getting to to kind of know know your clients and, and build those relationships is really I make it sound a bit airy fairy probably in terms of <laughs> it's, all, it's hard work it's hard work it's yeah um yeah <laughs> I mean it sounds like a, a very important job because you are advising them about not only how to organize their finances so that they are uh, managing them well now but also into the future as well so it's going to have a, a lot long impacting a long impact um on on not only now but you know the rest of the person's life so it's great that you get to help people um you know whilst doing something that you love as well so it yeah. definitely sounds like a really amazing um job um so you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier when you said that chartered financial um status mm-hmm. 
takes a lot of exams. Um, <laughs> I wonder if you could maybe give us a bit more detail about how you actually became chartered. Yeah, so when you become a, a financial planner, there's six exams you need to do, um, and that's your diploma. So that's like level four, um, which is the equivalent of a degree. Um, you can go on to level six, which is then the chartered, which again is another oh god uh, you it's it's a number of different exams um i think i've done about 16 altogether um in terms of kind of where i sit uh, from a financial services sector point of view um but it's all based on points um but yeah as part of that you can niche off into certain areas so I've done like a long-term care exam for example so that helps a lot with my clients who are elderly when I'm dealing with um, them and their families um in terms of if they've got care concerns or they enter care homes um, but again, I, I, pension transfer exams, so kind of pe- retirement planning um, and, and various different things like that. And obviously, even in that time, you can look at, and you can focus on mortgages, equity release and things like that. So there's a lot of different niches you can go down. Um, but for me, it's just getting a, a wide breadth of the various different exams to build up the points to to kind of make you as holistic as possible um because as you said no no client is the same everyone has different problems and from our point of view a a lot of clients I'm interacting with right now are are at that certain age where not only have they got you know their own careers they're, they're worried about building up towards their own retirement or what their future looks like um they're also considering you know their own kind of marriage kids but they've also got parents that are starting to get elderly you know starting to lean on them a little bit more so you know again they're helping mum and dad out but also trying to figure out their own lives so it's yeah for me it's a a lot of yeah just trying to balance out to be as holistic as possible and and make sure that actually everyone gets the advice they need um but yeah chartered is just something um that I think the industry, like with accountants, um, accountancies entered kind of for they promote the chartered status. And I think the financial services sector is just trying to regain its its trust a lot in in um kind of or from clients. Um so yeah, chartered is definitely the way that um I evidence that to my clients, but also I guess it proves that I am in the, in the long run. I guess like, you know, with the legal sector, you go through the training contract. Once you've done all the different kind of seats, you know, you, you can make that decision and you can prove almost that you're committed to, to that particular seat because you've tried everything else. And I, I think for me, it's about getting to a point in time where I can say, okay, you know, I'm dedicated and my clients know that I'm in it for the longer term. Cause as I said, it is about building relationships. And I think you know, a client wants to know that despite me sitting down in front of them here and now that, you know, I'm still going to be there in five years and in 10 years when we're then kind of actually guiding towards and getting closer to where they need to be. So chartered is definitely something that does that, in my opinion. Um, But it's definitely not something everyone needs. But I think it is the way that the industry should go, just like with kind of the the legal sector, um, the way that you do the LPC and everything. Yeah, so I think uh, the chartered system definitely sounds like a a really good system that is definitely needed. And so what advice would you have for our listeners who perhaps are studying law but not sure whether a law career is right for them? Um, Or perhaps they're just even open-minded about different career paths after graduation. What would you kind of say to them? Yeah, I'd just say kind of 
I guess think about what, what where your passion lies. I think, you know, regardless of, of what you're doing, what industry you're in, I think you have to love what you do. And not every day, God forbid, you know, there are different careers and, and you know, not everyone jumps out of bed every day. But I think, you know, in order to 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 stick to and you know no job's easy I don't think the level of responsibility that that people get and um that the kind of work that is entailed now and 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 things are changing you know they have a lot dramatically over the years and I think that you have to know why you're doing it and I think to be led by your passion is definitely something that that kind of drives me definitely and keeps me committed to to doing what I'm doing and you know I guess kind of everyone can say well I'm doing it for a wage or a salary or whatever that looks like for for them but I don't think that's enough I think you have to kind of kind of tie your your I guess tie your passion to something for like that that's more than than just kind of the month to month or the job is a role it's kind of about for me it's just figuring out why I'm doing it for the greater good for for kind of what what my objective is over the longer term and yeah I always say like what's my why and for me it's about kind of empowering individuals whether it's women whether it's you know people who don't have the financial education or the confidence to manage their own money but it it, it is really quite empowering when people realize that they can take control of their own finances and and when they do take responsibility for it as well it's it's for me it's just about opening that door for everyone to to definitely realize that so you know i think whether it's financial services or, or whether it is the law or any other sector it's just about figuring out for 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 me um trying to to get people to hone down on on their why and what they're looking to achieve out of their career as well and what difference they want to make and and who they want to make a difference to because that will drive i think yeah very much um kind of what industry and what role you end up in definitely that's really great advice danielle thank you for sharing um it seems like that was something that you were really good at looking at what you enjoyed doing and what your sort of why was um, so I think, yeah, that's really inspirational. Um, I'm sure that the listeners will agree. And yeah, it's just really great tips. Um, that I think everyone should follow when looking at, at what sort of job or career they want to um, progress into after university. I'd like to take a moment to speak about the University of Law, which is the university I decided to study my LPC at. The University of Law is the sponsor of this podcast and makes it possible for us to continue bringing these episodes to you. So we really appreciate you supporting us by supporting our sponsors. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. The University of Law's experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life legal experience which can boost employability. They offer a range of undergraduate and postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students excel at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses courses to help students work and study at the same time. If you'd like to find out more about the courses on offer, please click the link in the description box of the podcast. What do you enjoy most about being a financial planner? 
Um, I probably probably kind of answered that in some of the things yeah. I said, but yeah, it is, it is for me. It's the people. It's just yeah, they are. Uh, it, it is a people business, and I think yeah, it's they do become your friends, and you know they because you have to get to know people. You have to really hone down. You know, it's not a retirement plan. It's it's okay. It's the villa in Spain, or it's the the you know, annual holiday to see the kids that live in America or it's, you know, it's it's what that means to them. And I think, you know, that's where what I've learned is that actually, you know, I used to think it's just about these various different stages in life. And but as I said, it's what those things can give people. And even if it's peace of mind, you know, it's and, and I've got responsibility to my clients to to make sure that we, you know, I guess, cover our full basis and make sure that they've thought about kind of yeah best case worst case scenarios and and that they are protected in in all the different scenarios and and, and things that might face them in the future like I said long-term care a lot of my conversations aren't you know they're not always positive they're about have you thought about this that you know it's, it's, sometimes it is talking about the worst case scenario just to make sure that they've got the protection in place just like in in the legal sector people would when it comes to people's estate planning um what if um and and yeah for me it's you have to really get to know people and that's what I love because you know what do people like doing more than anything it's talking about themselves and and what do we like doing more than anything it's actually listening to people and because we're quite nosy so for me it's just yeah I love it and it's just getting to know people and the the more I've done this career the more uh, the more questions I ask now you know I can't I almost can't help myself I go out and I like meet someone I'm like oh like what like how how did that happen or like you know how did you get here or if someone says oh yeah I've just moved here from here I'm like how why what you know what uh, what's your history and you're just inquisitive aren't you and I think that's that's really kind of part of who I am now whereas yeah I never used to really so no it wasn't I wasn't interested in people but I was always a bit nervous to ask people you know uh, about their story or to think that oh I might be nosy but it's you know people are fascinating honestly just ask them the the, yeah the more I do this job the more I think yeah people are fascinating and they will tell you all about their lives if you just ask them (laughs) I'm sure you can get away with asking the more personal questions I'll be able to ask people what their um, financial plans for retirement aren't quite networking events. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that does sound really interesting. Building the um, foundations, but yeah, friendship, trust, relationship building. Yeah, that's kind of it. It's part and parcel of it. That's really amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. When graduates start earning um, significant amounts of money, like in the legal industry, some law firms are paying their um, newly qualified lawyers in excess of £100,000 a year. Um, Some US law firms, it's more like £160,000 a year. And that's a lot of money. Um, They might have just gone from, you know, earning minimum wage, um, doing like a part-time job, Mm. doing, you know, whatever to then suddenly having a gigantic spike in income. And, you know, they might not be from the background where they used to sort of wealth management and it, they might just not know what to do with the money when they get it. And I think it's really important that we kind of try to just 
provide some tips if we can to listeners who might be in that situation in the near future about how to kind of best manage their money. Um, so, yeah, this is something that I struggled with really when when I left university and started earning. I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody who doesn't know what to do, um, hasn't got a clue about managing money? What, what yeah. would you say to them? Yeah, well, again, it is personal to circumstances, but I guess to to give a brief overview of, of kind of that side of things, I'd say, you know, a start with with your expenses so everyone has to have a budget in terms of doing an expenditure planner again I, I give my clients an expenditure planner which breaks down what they need each month you know it's essentials and luxuries if we round it up in terms of you know what they need to meet their bills and what they spend kind of as, as luxury on a day, general kind of month-to-month basis um but yeah you've got obviously the first place to start then over and above that is, is your tax brackets everyone can earn 12 and a half or 12 five seven um as a personal allowance so tax free um anything up to fifty thousand then is is taxed at 20 percent obviously if you start earning over fifty thousand pounds you start paying 40 percent tax um the big crucial number for me is a hundred thousand because if you do earn over a hundred thousand you actually there's this and a lot not a lot of people know this as well and you know this is just not for law students or 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 anyone in the legal sector anyway but even people that are salaried that then earn a commission payment for example or a bonus you know if if that takes you over the hundred thousand pound threshold you actually start losing um your personal allowance over a hundred thousand and so there's a bracket where you actually pay a proportion of a quite a, quite a high rate tax because you lose your personal allowance um as you start earning over a hundred thousand pounds so again the 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 more you earn over a hundred thousand pounds actually the more beneficial you 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 kind of get to in that position um but yeah for me it's really, that's really a tipping point um in terms of if you can kind of bring that tax bracket down in terms of paying into pensions and things like that um you can actually save yourself quite a hefty amount of tax on that as well so yeah anyone who's employed um will be offered a pension scheme um and through the the kind of laws of auto enrollment they will be offered a contribution by their employer if they opt into the scheme as well uh, most employers let you pay in through salary sacrifice which means they pay through well they pay into the pension before they deduct the tax through your payslip, which then again is quite beneficial because both the employer and yourself save national insurance as well, rather than it being paid out to you, you paying tax and national insurance and then having to reclaim any higher rate tax back. So yeah, for, for me, it's just about, there's a lot of things that people just don't check and don't do. And even with a lot of my clients who, who are employed, you know, does your employer offer a pension yes they do well you know what are they paying what are you paying and will is there a level that they'll match up to because a lot of employers you know they'll offer you the standard which is three and five percent total of eight percent between the two of you um but a lot of them in their in their kind of hr contracts will say if you put in six percent or seven percent will match up to seven percent as well so a lot of people it's just a question that they they've missed on a contract or they haven't seen and you know it's free money from the government and also free money from your employer so i'd always say yeah you've always got to balance that out as i said if you are a graduate and you are starting 
time to earn, then obviously you've got a longer way to retirement. But if you start working out the figures, you know, if you're going to get a net payment and it's going to be taxed at 40% or, or kind of 45%, um, then actually, you know, is it worth putting that into the pension, actually getting 100% of that? Yes, we can't touch it. But as long as it's not affecting your objectives in the shorter term, the here and now, then actually you're getting more for your money and it's it's going to be tied up and it's going to be invested over that period of time and working hard for you. So I guess it's just about balancing out for me, kind of everyone's individual circumstances, but just getting people to know where they fit within how much tax they're liable to pay, you know, what that is offered to them through their employer. A lot of kind of larger firms will have different schemes on top of pensions. So save as you earn schemes, um, various different share save schemes as well, potentially. Um, or obviously in certain firms, obviously you can go into to, to kind of partner polls as well. So again, there's lots of different options and, and lots of different tax efficiencies around that. But it's always about knowing the opportunities there and knowing your circumstances for some people you know they'll have larger upfront costs or, or things that they'll need to prioritize in the here and now that means that they have to make the, the tough decisions and, and not make the most tax efficient decisions at that point in time because they need that money to to get on the property ladder so you know they prioritize saving and they take a bit more of a hit on the tax because they need to get on the property ladder for example so again there's various different things but even with you know, if you're under the age of 40, are you utilising your lifetime ISA allowance so that you're getting the, the money from the government with regards to your first home? And a lot of it is just giving people the information to make sure that they can relate that and we can relate that to their own circumstances as well. So, yeah, there's a lot, a lot that people can do. And, yeah, it is quite overwhelming, I think, especially if you're you're kind of you, you're you go from earning a certain level um, and then you jump up to a different level or you get an ad hoc bonus payment. It's harder to manage, you know, an, an increase or a lump sum, definitely. Yeah, I think you made just such a good point that it's about knowing what's out there. That's, I suppose, one of the biggest hurdles. Um, and I don't think it's it's not easy, not always easy to decipher what sort of applies to you. So um, I think that's really good. Um, obviously, there's people like you who can make <laughs> it a bit easier because it all seems a little bit overwhelming to me. Um, but I think that one of the yeah one of the great things that you mentioned is the uh, that people can probably implement as soon as they start working is the uh, pension scheme. I think it's great that you can essentially get free money. So yeah <laughs> yes definitely it's um yeah definitely the most undervalued thing an employer can offer I must admit people go oh yeah I've got a pension scheme I'm like free money from the government and from your employer that's great <laughs> I, know, I think we need to let more people know about that. yeah <laughs> yeah so what about some of the biggest um or maybe more common money mistakes that people make I'd say just not, they don't, they bury their head in the sand. They don't, people seem to think that, I guess sometimes, again, relating it back to, to the legal sector, you know, a lot of the law and a, a lot of people engage with the legal sector on a reactive basis. So they buy a property or they sell a property or they're getting divorced or they, they start a business so they need contracts or, you know, various different things like this. 
whereas financial planning I think again people seem to think that something needs to happen for them to seek advice but in my opinion you know I will always have conversation you know and I've had one of my loveliest clients she's been with me for years you know her mum was my client and she literally just said to me she said um you know I won't say her name but she's just finished university and you know would you mind sitting down with her she's renting in London before like while she gets a job or she's just got a new job and I just want to make sure she's happy with like her outgoings and so we sat down we went through kind of how to manage on a budget on a monthly basis um and again she's got a great job um she actually had a bit of savings left over from university so we just spoke about that in terms of of kind of where she is she's been saving for a property over the years you know she actually inherited sadly from um a kind of aunt of hers a couple of years down the line after we'd engaged and again it's just having that person there and the relationship that we've built that she's been able to have the advice but because she came to me and because we sat down right from day one just to talk about budgeting and outgoings you know she knew who to turn to in the circumstances then when something you know it wasn't necessarily a, a reaction on oh god now I need to talk to someone and who do I talk to and who do I trust it was yeah having that relationship up front and I think you know I'd always advocate for anyone just yeah there's no how much money do I need to you know and again I guess it's again like with the legal sector sometimes we use jargon and you know whether it's wealth management or financial planner people think oh I need a certain level of wealth to to get advice from a wealth manager but yeah for me it's just about you know it's information it's it's filtration or you know we're in my opinion, we're in a society now where we're flooded with information, you know, whether it's on personal finances, whether it's on kind of the stock market, on the economy, on politics, you know, you almost can't filter out A, what applies to you and B, what what the truth is or what's relative to, to kind of your day-to-day jobs and your day-to-day circumstances. And I think just a lot of my role is just being that person that can apply all the information to that person and and they can know what to kind of dial up and dial down on and what to listen to and not to listen to and because there's a lot of stuff out there that you don't need to listen to and that you don't need to be affected by because it's not going to necessarily you know detriment your your circumstances in the here and now um so yeah for me it's just about starting early um as I said with a lot of things you know there's a a quote by Einstein about the power of compound interest and yeah you know if you've got x amount of time to retirement people go I'll put it off till later but what a great opportunity what you've got you know 50 pound a month that you don't need that you can invest over the next 25 years that's going to earn between four and five percent compounded growth each year over that period of time that's magic that's amazing like you can the kind of power of that over that period of time is it can really make a difference to someone's whole future 25 years down the line and people seem to think that yeah they'll put it off till tomorrow um but I say to a lot of clients unfortunately it's personal admin and we we always we're so busy nowadays kind of putting everyone else first that sometimes we yeah we don't prioritize our own personal circumstances so yeah for me common money mistakes not necessarily a mistake but I think just putting things off and deferring kind of uh, is definitely something I'd say is the most important thing 
yeah that's such a simple answer but it's just it's just shows the importance of actually um taking action and not putting things off and like you said that is what the majority of people do and um i've also probably been guilty of that myself <laughs> i'm sure there's a few listeners out there who can relate um, yeah, you. <laughs> no you're not in the minority i must admit yeah <laughs> i thought you might say something like oh investing everything in crypto or... oh yeah it's probably another one but i know <laughs> bless no it's um yeah it's funny there's always you know I think again it's flooded people are flooded with information they don't know what to turn to who to turn to and yeah it's it's a difficult one isn't it I think in terms of filtering out and then we are you know whether it comes to fashion financial services now you know, you just go on Instagram and people, influencers are, are, are plugging or they're paid to promote a certain, you know, it used to literally be refined to a, a brand of clothing. And now it's it's people's financial decisions that, you know, influencers are, are being paid to promote. And it's, it's scary because, you know, yes, they have to legally and transparently let people know that but you know people don't necessarily take that as face value so mm, it's difficult definitely um so I think we've kind of answered the next question um but I'll see just sort of of if we've got anything else to add but so I mean what I was going to ask is do you think there's the right time for someone to hire a financial manager and what benefits can tailored financial advice provide and I think you've sort of said that it is as soon as possible would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say just build the relationships up front, you know, and, and I'll always give people my time. I always said that. And, you know, uh, I've been doing this for, for many years now and there's still, you know, it's conversations that I would have had two, three years ago that, you know, at the time I couldn't necessarily help someone or they didn't need my help at that point in time because they weren't in a position. It was just general advice, like I like I'll just uh, have covered off. Um, but then when they've then been in a position or started earning more or, or kind of wanted to to kind of make any decisions, they've kind of picked up the phone or, or come back to me. And yeah, I think it's just a, for me about making those relationships early on so that people know that they can trust you as well um, and that they know where to turn to because god I was with a client earlier and you know people don't whether it's financial services or he's looking best the, an elderly couple and they're looking to get their bathroom done and they're like we just don't know anyone that can do our bathroom and they're like you we just want a personal recommendation and bless them they were you know and then they again we were talking about would you go through the they'd gone through the um kind of yellow pages but then um one of the chaps that was with me actually said no like I know someone and they're like oh absolutely great because that's the thing it's about getting to that position and do you then start thinking okay who do you know or do you actually have that relationship in the background that yeah when something happens or when something needs doing that you you, yeah you have got that relationship and that trust there Um, and you know who to turn to so that's brilliant and so how can people connect with you Oh, um, you're going to make me try and remember now, aren't you? In terms of my <laughs> LinkedIn, so I obviously I'm on LinkedIn. You in the yellow pages, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I am on Instagram as 
thought-provoking finance um i have a facebook page thought-provoking finance um obviously my name is danielle lacomba so you can find me on linkedin um it's l-e-c-o-m-b-e-r um and yeah obviously i've got emails and bits and bobs like that so i can yeah happily kind of send that over to you afterwards if anyone wants to get in touch yeah definitely i'm going to leave all of the links um, and all of the uh, handles that you just mentioned in the description box of the podcast so if our listeners want to connect with you or check out your pages then they yeah. can do that and i'm definitely going to give you a follow now on instagram <laughs> I you're on instagram so i am yes yeah it's um yeah i think it's just about yeah having a bit of a brand behind you now isn't it and where people can find you and as i said making it easy for for people like i said people um to to kind of track you down so yeah awesome well thank you so much danielle for coming on the show it's been really interesting talking to you finding out about your career history and getting some money tips and um, so I'm going to go and enroll in my pension now. And- yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really useful to chat to you. And um, yeah, I just say, you know, if anyone is in the, the legal sector, you know, you've done the hard work, you know, you, you, you're studying, you you know, you're kind of, you've picked up the textbooks and, and yeah, definitely for me, it's it's a great kind of, you know, landing page for, for doing whatever you want to do moving forward, um, whether it is sticking into the legal sector or, or pivoting off elsewhere. But yeah, you've got a, a solid foundation and I really do feel that, yeah, I couldn't be where I am today without kind of the background that I've had and the commitment and the studying that I did um, through my law degree um, and just the understanding and the broader awareness. Um, for me, it was, a, yeah, it's a, a great degree to have and a, a, a great kind of industry to definitely set your standard at. I completely agree. Well, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, and until next time, uh, goodbye. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.